Yeah, what an awesome time we had. Uh, despite the rain, uh, there was tons of rain and thunder and lightning, but it passed over just before five o'clock, and so we were able to baptize the few brave people. And if you missed out on the baptism, don't worry. We will be having another bapti- baptism later this year, um, so you will be able to jump in at that point. So thank you so much for being out there, everyone, to celebrate that and uh, do... Uh, life with these people. Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. Uh, today, we are continuing in our video series. Each summer, we do one video series, and um, we are in the middle, or actually the third part of four-part series called Bold, and it is by Craig Groeschel. And to give you a little background information, if you haven't been with us for the last couple weeks, uh, Craig Groeschel is a pastor and an awesome leader. Uh, He's probably one of the best speakers in the world, uh, maybe in the top five in terms of communicating. And uh, he uh, leads a church of 40,000 people, and they have 15 different campuses. And so each week, he speaks at one campus, and the rest of the campus, they satellite the message in, and uh, he is a phenomenal speaker, and so we decided to uh, give you guys a little bit of taste of who he is um, and what he has to say. And so today we will be continuing in our message series and we want you to just sit back and interact with him, pretend that he is like right here with us, uh, just like those other campuses. And uh, many of you I've heard have been really enjoying this series and it's been very powerful for me as well. He's one of my favorite speakers. He's uh, meant a lot to me personally uh, from a pastor standpoint and then also from a leader as well. And so we'll be doing that. Well, yesterday, uh, our second team went to Guatemala, and they arrived. They're doing well in Guatemala. And so this week, would you be praying for that team? It's a team of 17 people who are down there uh, from our church. They are building houses this week. Uh, They are uh, ministering to kids and everything and telling people about uh, who God is. And so be in prayer for them this week uh, for safety, for what they need to be doing down there, the interactions that God has for them as well. And so... So before we begin, um, would you pray with me? Father, we just uh, thank you for the team that is down there. And we just thank you for their safety. And God, we ask, just like this series has been challenging us in so many different ways, uh, that they would just be bold in their faith. God, that you would arrange encounters for them for people who don't know you. And that they would see, what is this team doing? Why are they building houses? Why have they traveled so far to do this? And so, God, I just pray that you would impact their lives, that you would impact people's lives down there as well. And uh, just thank you so much um, for this series and uh, how we uh, are learning to just live out our faith, God, in you. Not a weird faith, but, God, a bold faith. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, buckle your seatbelts today. We're talking about getting bold from the book of Acts. We're in a four-week series. This is part three of the series looking at Acts chapter four and five today. We're going to talk about bold speaking. To start off, I want to boldly speak the truth, and that is I passionately hate snakes, if anybody agrees. Could I get a big amen in the house today? Hate them, hate them, hate them, hate them, hate hate the way they go around like that. Uh, Where I live, there happens to be lots of poisonous snakes. I think we live near like a copperhead den. In any given uh, year, I will kill up very close to my house and my six children. I'll kill anywhere between five and 15 copperheads. I don't just hate them because they're scary, but my neighbor got bitten by one and his leg was swollen up like the size of an elephant. 
and it was nasty, and so I don't want that to happen to my kids, and so whenever I see a copperhead snake, I take a shovel, and with the power of the risen Holy Spirit in me, I chop its head off violently, and then I take part of its body, the remaining part without the head, and I hang it up on a tree to send a very clear message to all the other snakes that I mean business. Then I take a picture of it, and I'll often tweet the picture or put it up on, there's one right there, it's either broken head, uh, there's another one, and I, I'll tweet it, and then inevitably, some of you softer, more politically correct people will shout back at me, Pastor Craig, don't kill the snake, it's one of God's creation, because we live in this pathetic political correct world where we don't want to hurt a poisonous snake that could bite my six-year-old. I'll just bag them up and take them to your house so you can love and nurture them. Uh, but it, this whole kind of politically correct soft thing has overflowed into the church world as well. And so a lot of people today would say things like, you know, uh, I don't want to offend anybody and I don't want to speak too boldly about my faith. So one of the most common mindsets today in the church world is instead of speaking about my faith, I'm just going to let my life be a witness. I'm just going to let my life be a witness, which sounds good and quite honestly is a great place to start because hands down we do want our life to be a witness. But there are times when we shouldn't just let our lives be a witness, but we should let our words be a witness as well and speak boldly. For example, if you came over to my house, and let's just say the two of us were going for a little walk, and I see a copperhead, their, their defense is to blend in, and my eyes are trained skillfully to see them, and you probably are not looking for one. So if there's one right there and we're walking along, and I just do this, kind of walk out of the way, what am I doing? I'm letting my life be a witness to you, but you may not notice, and if you step on the snake, you're gonna be very miserable and probably not come back to my house. Again, what would be a more loving thing than to let my life be a witness, but would also to be, let my words be a witness and to boldly say to you, snake! And then we'd take a shovel and behead him together, hang him up on a tree, and post the pictures together on our Facebook pages because there is a time to let your life be a witness. There are also times when you have to speak boldly to keep people out of something that would harm them and lead them into a better way of life. Our key thought through the series called Bold is this. Boldness is behavior born out of a belief. Boldness is behavior born out of belief. Our key thought for today, if you're taking notes, is this. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. All of our churches, could you say that phrase aloud? What do we do? We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Okay, now let's say it boldly this time because that was pathetic, okay? What do we do? We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. In fact, in the book of Acts, there are so many verses about the New Testament Christians who believed deeply that Christ was not dead, but instead he was alive. And because they believed in the resurrection of Christ, they spoke boldly 
over and over and over again. I'll give you three out of almost countless numbers of verses. Acts 9.28 was about Saul. If you remember, Saul was the guy that used to persecute Christians and even take their lives. After he'd been transformed by Christ, the Bible said Saul moved about freely in Jerusalem doing what? Everybody say it loud. He was speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So were Paul and Barnabas. Acts 14.3 says Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there. And what were they doing? They weren't just letting their lives be a witness, but they were what? They were speaking boldly for their Lord. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, we looked at this text last week, and we saw the disciples under extraordinary persecution pray for even more boldness. And the Bible says in verse 31, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and what did they do? They spoke the word of God, how? Boldly. Why? Because we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Now, uh, I'll catch you up with our story in case you missed the last couple of weeks. Uh, We've been looking at Peter and John, and they were walking by the temple gate, and they came across a guy that had been lame, that means he couldn't walk, for over 40 years over 40 years. Everybody in the community knew this guy, and he said, hey, can you guys give me some money? He was a beggar, and they said, silver and gold we do not have, but what we have, we give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And miraculously, this guy, who'd been lame for over 40 years, suddenly could walk. Now, you can only imagine how much buzz this created in the community because everybody would have known this guy was a beggar and, and always in need. And so everybody's talking about it. Well, the religious people, the Sanhedrin, didn't like the fact that Peter and John were talking about the resurrection. They didn't believe in the resurrection. So they put them on trial. They threatened them. They questioned them. They wanted to either keep them imprisoned or they wanted to kill them, but they were trapped. The problem is there was a guy that couldn't walk and now he could walk and everybody knew it so they couldn't come down hard on Peter and John. That's where we pick up the story in verse 16 and we see their inner dialogue. The the religious leaders, they ask this question. What are we gonna do with these men? They ask. Everybody living here in Jerusalem knows that they've done an outstanding miracle and what did they say? The Bible says they said, and we cannot deny it. I love this because right there they were essentially saying, we don't believe it, but we can't deny it. We don't understand it, but we can't deny it. And I love when God does something that's so obvious that the world may look on and say, we don't really believe it and we don't understand it, but boy, we cannot deny it. I remember when uh, my oldest daughter, Katie, was like maybe three years of age, and she got into poison ivy and was covered from head (coughs) to uh, to toe in this horrible, horrible rash. And we went to the doctor, and the doctor said, that's a bad case of poison ivy. Put this ointment on her, and it's going to be several days of just pain for her. Just brace yourself. And so we came home, and little Katie said, well, Dad, I'm going to pray and ask Jesus to heal me. And I was like, being the great man of faith that I am, I said, oh baby, it's really so cute, you know. But the doctor said, and she's like, daddy, I don't care what the doctor said, I'm gonna pray. She said, Jesus, I just ask that you heal me by morning. And Pastor Craig, great man of God said, now baby, you know, it may not happen. And so don't just be so, and I tried to talk around of her faith. Well, the next morning, it's about 5 a.m. 
Amy and I are sound asleep. We're talking sawing logs out. And Katie came in, flipped on our light. You know, this blaring light's coming down. We're like, what are you doing, kid? We look up, and she's wearing nothing but her Barney panties, okay? <laughs> nothing else. And she jumps on the edge of the bed. She's the mom and dad, ta-da! And we're like, we're trying to make sense of this. Turn off the lights, naked girl. Gissing, what are you doing? And she's like, no, 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 ta-da! We're like, what are you doing? She said, mommy, daddy, look, ta-da! And we looked like, oh my goodness. The rash that covered her was completely gone. And my first thought was, I don't believe it, but I can't deny it. It was there, she prayed, it's gone. And I'm here to tell you, some of you, you know what I'm talking about. Because there's something going on in your life and literally thousands of stories in our church today where others look on and say, we don't understand it, we don't even fully believe it, but we can't deny it. Some of you, you've got a marriage like that. It was going to hell in a handbasket, and then the husband got radically saved, and the wife got radically saved, and he led his family into a new place. Now, you're like newlyweds, smoochy, smoochy, smoochy at your life group, and everybody's going, I don't understand it, can't deny it, you hated each other, and now you're making out during Bible study. It's, it's, something's happened. Some of you, you've got a teenager and they were into everything bad they could get into. And they came to switch, and they met Christ. And now they're a leader, and they're reading their Bible. And their friends are going, I don't understand it, but I can't deny it. There is something different here. Others of you, in your own life, you were addicted or you were in bondage, or you were in fear, and something has risen up inside of you, and you're not the same. And other people look on and say, I don't understand it, but I can't deny it. Something has happened, and every now and then, you just get around the things of God, and the religious people looked on and said, we don't yet believe it, but I'm telling you, the guy couldn't walk for 40 years, and now, He's playing hopscotch. The guy can walk and we cannot deny it. That was the context and in verse 17. They said, we gotta put a stop to this. The religious leader said, but to stop this thing, everybody say thing. What, what was the thing? It's Christianity, but they couldn't even say that. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men, Peter and John, to no longer do what? We must warn these men to speak no longer. No more speaking. Like you can't tell anyone, speak to anyone in this name. They couldn't even say the name of Jesus. Verse 18, then they called them in again and they commanded them. Now with the command, there would have been a threat and we don't know what the threat is, but it could have been imprisonment or your life. They commanded them not to do what? Not to speak or teach at all in the what? In the name of Jesus. Now, Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. Now I love this, here's what they said. For we cannot help, everybody say cannot help. Amen. Say it again, come on guys, come on, play with me. Okay, this is no fun without you. For we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. In other words, because we believe deeply, we're gonna have to speak boldly. And the two words in the Greek translated as cannot help, it, they basically mean it's not possible. You need to understand, 
You can threaten us, we're still speaking. You can beat us, we'll speak louder. You can put us on our death, to our death, and the last words we're gonna speak will be the name of Jesus. Because if you've seen what we've seen, and if you've heard what we've heard, you just gotta tell it. It's that good. If you saw the people that we were and the people that we are now, if you saw the sins he's forgiven, you have to talk about it. If you saw the miracles that we've seen, you, you just can't keep it to yourself. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You're being too quiet. When you get excited, I'll stop ranting because some Sometimes you just have to say what is on your mind. Jesus is the Lord and he has done that because we all do it in different ways, don't we? When you're excited about something, you talk about it. It could be a movie. You're like, oh, it was a guy movie and all the trucks blew up and it was awesome and you tell you, you gotta see it. Or it's a chick flick and you're like, chick talking to your chicklet friend. You know, like, you gotta see it, it was so, it's so romantic. When he walked in the room, he said, you had me at hello. No. I know that's an old movie, but it's the last one I've seen and it's the last chick flick I will. You go to a restaurant, you, you, you have incredible service and you're, you're like, oh, the food's amazing. You're like, oh, you gotta go there, it's awesome. We just can't help it. There's some things you just can't help. Like when I hear a great song on the radio, my kids will tell you, I just can't help dancing. It just kind of gets up inside, I just can't, unless it's a Justin Bieber song. Then I can't help but change the station. I just have to do it, it just happens. I can't, actually, no longer, I, I watched Never Never say never with my kids, and now I'm a believer. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. They're, they're just, there are some things you can't help. And when you've seen what we've seen, and you've heard what we've heard, and you realize that Christ was dead and he is alive, and that changes everything. You can threaten us all you want, but you need to understand, asking us to stop talking, that's impossible. We're not gonna just let our lives be a witness, you see. There are times when we just have to speak because it's so deep in us, because we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Now, what I wanna do is I wanna give you four specific areas that I believe God wants you to speak, not just live as a witness, but to speak boldly because you believe so deeply. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. Because we believe so deeply, because I believe so deeply, there are times I can't help but speak boldly to myself. There are times where I just have to speak boldly to myself. This is what David did in 1 Samuel 30, verse six. The Bible says David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Some of you, you're distressed right now. There's a lot of hard stuff going on. What did David do? The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I love this. He just preached himself a sermon. He encouraged himself. He spoke boldly to himself. I don't know what he said. He might have said, I just remember the time when God gave me the strength to kill the lion and the tiger and the bear. Oh my. He might have said, I remember when God gave me the faith to stand down the giant and say, who are you, uncircumcised Philistine, to come against the armies of my living God? Everybody else says, you're too big to beat. I say, you're too big to miss. Somebody give me a rock and duck. I'm taking him out. Whatever it is, he, he preached to himself and encouraged himself. Uh, I've got a friend that battled with lustful thoughts for, for decades. He couldn't overcome it. He started preaching to himself daily. 
every day. He said, Craig, I would literally preach this sermon to myself hundreds of times. He preached God's word. Job in the Old Testament just said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. He preached that sermon to himself. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. Every now and then he gets fancy and add to his sermon. She is created in the image of God and I will honor her as my sister in Christ and not reduce her to an object to satisfy my lust. I made a covenant hundreds of times a day, hundreds of times. And what he did with the preaching of his word, God's word renewed his mind and suddenly he woke up and said, I am no longer battling with lust. What do? He preached his way boldly to victory in his own life. You can do the same thing. I'm telling you what, if you, you've never preached a sermon, you start preaching to yourself. Some of the best sermons I ever preached, I preached to myself. I preach so good sometimes, I give myself an offering. My sermons are just <laughs> that good. I preach, in fact, for years I was afraid to preach, and so before I would preach to you, I would preach to myself, and I would preach God's word boldly to myself, and I would preach Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, and he has anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted, and he has anointed me to proclaim freedom for the captives. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, and he has anointed me to preach God's word, and I preach myself into faith. Some of you, you didn't know you were a preacher, but you're gonna be a preacher. Touch your neighbor, if I touch your neighbor and say, I'm a preacher and didn't even know it. Do it right now, go ahead. I'm a preacher and didn't even know it. And so the next time you're overwhelmed and you're overcome with too much to do, you say, I've, just, I've got babies everywhere, diapers and dishes and domestic duties, and you just preach to yourself, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You're overwhelmed at your business, there's just too much. You say, you know what, you preach to yourself. When I am weak, he is strong. It's not by my power or by my might, but it's by his spirit, saith the Lord. When you're afraid, you just preach to yourself. God has not given me a spirit of fear, that's good preaching, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you're worried, you just preach God's word to yourself. I will not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, I will submit my request to God and I will let the peace of God, which supersedes all my understanding, guard my heart and my soul in Christ Jesus. Sometimes you just gotta preach to yourself. If you're a little bit excited, why don't you help me out? Because I'm preaching my brains out today and you're being way too quiet. You just, because I believe so deeply, every now and then I've got to encourage myself in the Lord. Some of you are preachers and you didn't even know it. You, you speak boldly because you believe deeply and you preach encouragement to yourself from God's word. Secondly, is this, because I believe so deeply, I can't help but encourage you. I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart that the body of Christ, that Christians should hands down be far and away the most encouraging people on planet earth. You should say amen to that because it's so true. Scripture says this, Hebrews 3.13. We're told to encourage one another how often? The Bible says encourage one another daily. Every single day, as long as it's called a day, you should be encouraging one another, using God's word to lift people up. I do this with my kids because I believe, I'm telling you, in my six kids, I believe there is spiritual greatness 
in every single one of them. And the world beats them down constantly and tells them what they're not or what they can't do. So I'm telling you, I fight 10 times as hard to tell them who they are in Christ. Last Sunday after our family Bible study, I just went kid by kid. I started with Katie, my oldest. I said, Katie, you are the purest teenager, I think, in the world. You are a leader's leader. God has anointed you to lead. I looked at Mandy, said, Mandy, you're, you're a creative genius. You've got more talent than any 10 kids combined. It's not fair. You should repent because God made you so great. I said to Anna, I said, Anna, you are the most other-centered. You're the most other, you're always thinking of others and you're so creative. I can't wait to see how God uses your creative expressions of generosity to impact this world. I said to Sam, my son, I said, Sam, you have so much integrity and you love God's word. I don't know a 10-year-old boy that loves God's word like you love God's word. I can't wait to see how God uses you. I said to Stephen, Buki, we call him. I said, Buki, you are the most determined, ferocious, fierce, competitive little guy. God is going to use those gifts to impact the world. I said to Joy, my baby, I said, Joy, you are so other-centered and you are so creative and I was like, wait, I said that for Anna. And then Amy said, yeah. It said, Joy is just like Anna in so many ways. And Joy stood up and said, yeah, I'm just like Anna, only way, way, way better. <laughs> so we made a mental note, maybe encourage her less because she really believes in her. But there, there's something in me that just believes so deeply that I can't hold it back. It's gotta come out. There is encouragement in my bones to bring out greatness in others. And, and you never know how your encouragement may change someone's life. It wasn't too long ago, I was an associate pastor at First United Methodist Church. And, I, and my, my little single adult ministry I was in charge of wasn't going very well. And I was so loud and aggressive that there were many people in the church who went before the board that said Craig should be fired because he's all into this, trying to turn this church into a single church. I'm just trying to get someone to show up. And, and, but, but I think they were right as I look back because they forbid me from making announcements during the service because I always would. So this is a true story. One time I was assigned the pastoral prayer. I stood up there in my robe and I just prayed, dear God in heaven, I thank you that on this Friday night at 7 p.m. that single adults from around the city will come to the church at the east door and that they all, oh God, will bring $10 which will cover their pizza and their bowling. I pray in the name of Jesus they would sign up on their communication card to drop off any kids in child care and God that we're gonna see revival this Friday night at 7 p.m. at the east door as single adults from all over the city to descend on this place in the name of Jesus, amen. So I probably should have been fired because I really did that. But I came home and, and they, they really were. They're saying, Craig, we're not sure if you can keep working here. And I told Amy, I said, maybe I should just quit. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I missed this whole God thing. I, I never will forget. Amy looked at me and she spoke boldly God's words. She said, do not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Craig Groeschel, I didn't marry a quitter, but a finisher, and you will finish what God called you to do. And I'm standing here today, talking to you today, because someone encouraged me to keep on going. And I wanna encourage you because I have to. Don't quit. Don't grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, in the proper season, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your dream. Don't give up on the vision that God has given you. Don't give up on the ministry that you know is buried deep within your heart. And by all means, do not give up on God because God will never give up on you. Sometimes you just have to encourage and Christians should be the most encouraging people. 
I'm telling you, some of you, you won't even be able to leave the building today because you're gonna see somebody and God's gonna prompt your heart and you're just gonna say, I don't even know you and I don't even know why, but I believe God wants you to know this and you're gonna lift somebody up because when you believe deeply, you have to speak boldly. And I pray our church rises up to be the boldest encouragers on planet Earth. A third thing, because we believe so deeply, and this one's not nearly as fun, but every bit as important, because I believe so deeply, I can't help but lovingly correct you. There are times when I love you so much and I believe so much in what God is saying is right and what God is saying is wrong that I have to lovingly correct you. Now I want you to notice that I said lovingly. Everybody say lovingly. Don't make me say it again. Okay, you don't go out and be a jerk in the name of Jesus. Don't you go hold up some sign and think you're being bold. You're going to hell. That's not bold, that's stupid, okay? Don't, don't go home and be one of those jerk husbands that will answer to God and you take out the Bible as a sword and cut your wife with it. Shut up, woman, you shouldn't speak. You just submit to me and on, on, on. No, that's abuse, that's not biblical correction. Biblical correction is when someone steps outside of the word of God and you love them enough, you're not better, but you correct them lovingly according to Matthew 18, as so many people have corrected me. Craig, we love you too much to let you go this way. That's dangerous. It could be that um, you're a girl and your girlfriend's always trash talking her husband. Well, he's not a spiritual leader and he's just a bump on along and he's a na 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 And finally, you just say, you know what? Hey, I love you and love your marriage too much to let you keep talking him out of who God wants him to be. He will never become the man of God that God wants him to be when you continue to take him out at his knees. You speak life, you speak love, you speak encouragement, and I'm not gonna let you, I love you too much to let you tear him down. It could be that um, everyone around knows someone is addicted, addicted to drugs, addicted to pornography, addicted to alcohol, addicted to work, and no one has the spiritual mm mm-hmms to say anything about it. But you're going to, and you're gonna stand in the way and say, I'm here not someone better than you, but I'm here because I love you. I'm not gonna let you spiral down. I'm gonna get you help. I'm gonna stand by you and together we're gonna kick this addiction. I love you too much to let you hurt yourself. It could be you're a guy and in your life group and one of your buddies is leaving his wife to chase some younger skirt. And you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna get in his face because no one else will. And you're gonna say, hey, I'm gonna be the best friend you've ever had and you may wanna hit me and you hate me, but I was there the day you said I do before God and you promised to God and you promised to her. And I'm not gonna let you play with this poisonous snake because Satan is a liar and you're chasing something that's gonna destroy your life. Get your butt back home, be a man of God, love your bride, be a dad to your kids. You're not gonna let some other man raise your kids. I love you too much. And you speak boldly, why? Not because you're better, but because you believe deeply. And when you believe deeply, you've got to speak boldly. The fourth thought, and my favorite, is this. Because I believe so deeply, I can't help but lead you toward Christ. I can't help it. This is what the disciples said. You can beat us, you can lock us up, you can threaten to kill us. Verse 20, but we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. We can't help it. We're just gonna do it, you can't talk us out of it. It's never, ever, ever going away. Pastors ask me often, Craig, do you really always, every time you preach, week after week, invite people to turn from their sins and follow Christ? And my answer is, absolutely. 
Absolutely, I do every single time, every single week. Well, why would you do that? Because I grew up in a church and didn't understand the gospel. I had a head knowledge of God, but not a heart relationship. And here's what you need to understand. When you've seen what I've seen, and when you've heard what I've heard, you can't be quiet about it. If you just knew who I was, how much filth, and how much, if you had any idea what God has forgiven me of, and how much he's transformed me from an angry, bitter, unfaithful, lying person to by the grace of God and only by his strength into a man of God. If you knew that, you'd understand why I have to say, you might as well ask the sun to stop shining and the birds to stop singing and the rain to stop falling because all that will happen before you will ever stop me from talking about the Jesus who saved me and made me new. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about because you've been there and you've been saved and you've been set free and you can't contain it. Others of you are like, chill, dude. Why are you so excited? I mean, we just came to church today. It's supposed to be fun and light and feel good. Here's the deal. If you don't speak boldly, maybe it's because you don't believe deeply. Let me say it again. If you don't speak boldly, maybe it's because you don't believe deeply. Because when you believe deeply, I'm telling you, you can't live for the lower things of this world. You can't be like the stupid world selling out to material things. You just, there's something in you. You've got to make a difference. You're not going to always just let your life be a witness because sometimes it's just such a great opportunity. You can't keep it to yourself. You just got to say who he is and what he's done. Because I cannot stop talking about what I've seen and heard. Because we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Father, I pray that our church would have such a deep belief in the resurrection of your son, Jesus, that we would, we would so believe, just like Peter and John, that they crucified him, but the tomb is empty. And that because he's risen from the dead, we, cannot content, we can't hold back on this truth. God, I pray you would stir us supernaturally to be bold, not, not odd, bold, kooky, but bold with your love and your grace and generosity and compassion, and that we would earn the right to be heard by being sacrificial, Christ-following, God-honoring, faithful people. All of our churches today, as you're praying, some of you, you're gonna realize you're down, and it's time to speak boldly to yourself. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Preach a little sermon to yourself. Others of you, you're gonna realize there are people all around you. It's time to encourage. You, you send the text, you write the email, you make the call, you, you set those words free. Let God change someone's life through your bold spoken words. Others of you, there's someone that you love and they're going down the wrong path. They're walking toward that poisonous snake. And you're not confrontational, you don't wanna be, but you know what? God is gonna convict you because you believe so deeply and love them so much that you've gotta speak boldly, not out of arrogance, but out of love to help someone see the truth. Others of you, right now you're thinking about a dad or a mom 
a brother or a sister, someone you work with, someone you play sports with, someone at the gym, someone, someone in your sorority, someone that you know and love that does not know Christ, and you've been letting your life be a witness, but I'll tell you what, you've been letting it happen for a long time and nothing's happened. I'm gonna pray you have the right time that the Holy Spirit would prompt you and you're gonna give life to what's inside of you and you're gonna speak the name that is above all names. This is who he is and this is what he's done. He is Jesus and he is the way, the truth, and the life. All of our churches, those of you who say, I'm not as bold as I need to be, uh, maybe I need to believe deeper. God, I wanna so believe in you that boldness is a supernatural result of my faith in you. Would you lift your hands now? Lift them high, lift them high. God, I thank you for those today that truly wanna know you even more intimately. God, I pray as they know you through your word that they would speak your word. God, that when prompted by the Holy Spirit, they would speak boldly because they believe deeply. And God, we trust you with the results as we obey the promptings of your spirit. As you keep praying today, nobody looking around, there are those of you who, who, who might be so much like I was. I was a cultural Christian. I believed in God, but I lived as if he didn't exist. I had a head knowledge, but not a heart relationship. Let me tell you as boldly as I can, you are a sinner and so am I. Our sin separates us from a holy God. You know it, you feel guilty when you do things wrong. You think, how, how can I be made right with God? Can I be good enough if I do good things, not do bad things? Let me tell you, you can never work your way to him. Here's what scripture says, God sent his son Jesus who was without sin, who died for us, became sin for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. On the third day, he rose from the dead. There's some of you, it's gonna go from your head to your heart today and you're never gonna be the, the same. As you call on him, scripture says, if you confess with your mouth, you speak it, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You will be saved, transformed, forgiven, totally new, filled with the Holy Spirit. There are those of you, that's why you're here today. It's time for your new life in Christ. All of our churches, all of our churches, everybody look up at me right now. Everybody looking at me. Let's go bold with this baby. You don't know him, you're ready to know him. You're not following him, you're ready to follow him. You need new life, you need forgiveness. Jesus, take all of my life. At the count of three, you raise your hands. Churches around the world, I give my life to you. Right now, one, two, three. Now, lift your hands high. Lift them high all over the place. Praise God for all of you up here. Lift it, leave them up, man. Go crazy, Life Church. This whole group, sir, praise God for you. All four of you, praise God for you guys. Right back here, man, let it up, church. Let it up, right here, right back there. God bless you here. All these hands up right here. Praise God for you and over here as well. Sir, welcome into God's family. Bless you, man of God being born. Praise God for you. Right back over here. Life Church, if you don't get a little louder than that, I'm not sure you really believe. You worship God for what he's doing, you praise him. Others of you today, all in, lift your hands now and say, yes, Jesus, take my life. Others of you, just lift your hands and say, yes, I give my life to you. Right back there, praise God for you. Everybody just pray aloud, pray, Heavenly Father. Everybody, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Jesus, be my Lord. I give my life to you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you always. Help me to believe so deeply that I will speak boldly. Jesus Christ is my Savior. He is my Lord. My life is not my own. I give it to you. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody worship him, worship him. Welcome those today born into the family of God.